ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Flight Podcast with me, Daniel Patterson. And me, Thomas Lively. Over the next some time, we're going to talk to you about many things to do with aviation. Uh, we've got some aircraft to talk to you about today, uh, airports, and also things like simulators. Um, I just want to start out with a bit of a disclaimer. Because obviously we're talking about aircraft and we will touch on matters of military importance. Um, I want to stress to you now that this is not a political podcast. We're talking about military hardware which may have been involved in wars between countries. uh, But we are not necessarily taking sides in these wars, even if our country, the United Kingdom, was involved in them. We are purely an aviation-focused podcast. So if we're talking about a particular aircraft... And we talk about, you know, for example, it was involved in this war or that war. It doesn't necessarily mean that we are supporting either side in that war. I hope that is okay. Tom, do you have anything to add before we get on with the podcast? Uh, This podcast should be broadcast weekly. And uh, if we will not be able to broadcast it weekly, uh, we'll make uh, two podcasts in a row. And then obviously we'll post that one when we can't do it. Yeah, Uh, Tom's right. We're hoping to produce this. Once a week, um, and let's see how it goes. For the foreseeable future. For the foreseeable future, because we've got some time on our hands. Okay, so without further ado, let's get on with the podcast. So, we each week we plan to have a featured aircraft. Uh, the idea behind this is basically we'll choose an aircraft that's got specific interest, or just one that's, you know, interesting because there's loads of them. Um, this aircraft that we've chosen this week is... Well, it's, it's sort of both, in a way. It's it's interesting, and it's also... Uh, it's been produced in colossal numbers. The aircraft in question is... I'm sure everyone knows it. It's the Boeing 747. Um, it is a wide-body, long-range jetliner, uh, built by Boeing, obviously, in the United States. Um, interestingly, and a lot of people wouldn't know this, but it was actually... Uh, the first flight of it was in 1969 on February the 9th so it's a pretty old aircraft um, but then its introduction actually came in uh, almost a year later in Jan- on January the 22nd in 1970 with Pan Am Pan Am was the launch partner for the aircraft um, and it was actually really designed specifically for them uh, the idea for that was just because they wanted a big aircraft to take loads and loads of people not particularly quickly but in comfort and in style, as they would have said, across oceans and seas and things. Um, the primary users, as of now, are British Airways and you know bigger airlines like Korean Air and uh, China Airlines as well. Um, I think Lufthansa do a few of them as well, don't they? Sorry? Lufthansa do a few of them as well. I, I think they actually have, yeah. Um, as of April 2012, uh, there have been 1,435 built... Um, and that was between 1968 and the present day. So it's been, it's been produced for a good long while. Um, There's plenty of variants of it as well, isn't there? Because I mean, you got the um, you got the Dreamlifter. You have the 747-100 to 800s. That's what eight versions of it. Yeah. And then you have the VC-25 Air Force One, as it's commonly known. Yeah, as. The Air Force One. It's it's interesting to note because VC-25 is the U.S. Air Force designation for the aircraft, but. It genuinely is just a modified 747. Um, one of the unique features actually about the aircraft is that instead of needing external stairs to actually get into the aircraft, I don't know you know this, Tom, um, it actually has air stairs. It's one of the few aircraft now in service that actually does have air stairs. So the idea is 
that it can land pretty much anywhere and the people can get out of it, including the president. Um, Air Force One is... It's not actually the name of the aircraft. A lot of people think that the, the aircraft itself is called Air Force One, but that's, that's not the case. Air the, Force One is, in fact, the call sign it is, of the VC-25 when it is carrying the um, president it's, on board. It's the, yeah, it's the call sign of actually any um, US Air Force aircraft. Any aircraft the, in general, actually. No, because then it becomes something else, which I can't remember. But okay. any, any US Air Force aircraft that's carrying the president, we sound like such amateurs, any aircraft that's carrying the sorry, any US Air Force aircraft that's carrying the president is call is has the call sign Air Force One. Um, I can't remember what the what the other call signs are. Um, but yeah, it's it's quite a special aircraft because uh, obviously a lot of it's classified. Um, but yeah, it's it's certainly a, a an, an important thing. And uh, for example, uh, during the nine uh, eleven incident um george bush actually ended up flying round uh, on air force one and he, he basically ran the country from air force one during that time other variants of the aircraft are things like um the shuttle carrier aircraft which is it's kind of a it's not a unique design because there are two two things like it in the world you've got the the one that's uh, about a modified 747 and then the um, Russia actually had a, a kind of space shuttle program at one point, uh, and that was uh, that that was designed to be carried on the back of a um, Antonov two two five, the Antonov A and two two five. So you know it's it's quite a versatile aircraft. Um, the seven four seven eight is the sort of standard standard version that they use for carrying freight and things. Um, you've also got things like um, other countries have um, have versions of Air Force One that they they carry presidents and and other things like that uh, around in, and but I think that's just because it's a very 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 versatile aircraft, still in service with with a massive amount of airlines, even though it's over forty years old now. Um, for, uh, another another usage of it is a mod, um, another modification that's been made to it is uh, the Boeing seven four seven large cargo freighter, otherwise known as the Dreamlifter. This is a an aircraft that was designed. Uh, well, no, it wasn't designed. It was modified to carry parts for the Dreamliner, the seven eight seven Dreamliner, the new big exciting thing that Boeing have come up with, and it's 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 an interesting shape. Um, there's a little story that I that I always uh, remember about the Dreamlifter, and it was uh, one day the the person that whose job it was to make the Dreamlifter um, work and look like it was one day went into the office of the man that designed the 747 uh, and apologised and he says I'm sorry for wrecking your aircraft because it does change the look of the aircraft somewhat if you if you just go onto Google Google Images and search Dreamlifter. Boeing 747 Dreamlifter. Boeing 747 Dreamlifter. It's it's an interesting thing. We're just looking at a picture of it now, and it's sort of it's this it's a similar kind of idea to the um, Airbus Beluga. Yeah, to the Airbus Beluga. I could not remember it. Thank you, Tom. Um, the Airbus Beluga is designed to carry parts for the um, for any Airbus in general. For really. any Airbus in general, but the the thing that they use it for a lot now is for carrying the parts for the um, A380. A380. Indeed, finishing off my sentence since that time. Mm. Um, 
there's, as Tom mentioned earlier, there's a fantastically large amount of variants of the aircraft, um, starting from the ones from Pan Am's with the uh, 747-100, all the way up to the brand new 747-8, which is the, it's 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 the new variant. It's it's kind of taking technology that they developed for the uh, Dreamliner and applying it to a sort of an old design aircraft. Um, I mean, the wing shape, for instance, if you look at the wing shape from the 747 to the 787, you can see a lot of the curvature of the wing from the 747 the, the t- to the 787. A lot, there's a lot of design cues that have been taken from it. Um, it says here, Boeing announced a new 747 variant, the 747-8, on November the 14th, 2005. Rever- referred to, to the, as the 747 Advanced prior to its launch, so if you've ever heard of the 747 Advanced, that's what it is. Uh, the 747-8 uses the same engine and cockpit technology as the 787, hence the use of the, na- uh, of the number 8. The variant is designed to be quieter, more economical and more environmentally friendly. Uh, the fuselage is also longer. How could they actually make it longer without it just, like, going around the world? Well, it's only um, by another, what, 6 metres? Um, yeah, yeah, from uh, yeah from 70.8 metres to uh, 76.4. So yeah. it's actually... It's the, well, it's the first stretch version of the aircraft. I mean, you, you can see the difference in seating as well, because if you look from something like the 747-100, for example... The first one, ordered mm. by Pan Am. Yeah, I mean, it only have, what, 452 seats or 366 seats, 2 class, 3 class, etc., yep. etc. And now, in the 747-800, it has 467 seats in the 3 class, compared to 366. It's a huge, massive difference. It's, it's just a bigger aircraft in general. And I think the, the idea is... Because the 747 itself, being 40 years old, is actually quite an old aircraft. But what they've done here is they've actually um, increased the longevity of the design, not by trying to repair old aircraft or try and make them work for longer. It's actually by building brand new ones, but to, to, a, to a higher specification, to a modern specification. So as we said about the, about the Dreamliner, uh, sorry, about, yeah, about taking the technology from the Dreamliner, it's it's bringing it sort of up to date with with modern technology. Can I mean, think? there is similar sizes. I'm looking at this diagram here. To well, many aircraft really. I mean, it's longer than an A380 for starters. Yeah. Somehow, its wingspan is the smallest. However, they are comparing the Airbus A380 and the AN225. The the point is with the with the wingspan of an aircraft is it's not really the best way. Of uh, testing out how the aircraft actually mm. produces lift because it's all about surface area and all sorts of complicated things that we will discuss in a later podcast so please tune back in for that next time because we're going to talk about the physics of flight um but it's just a it, it's just a colossal aircraft obviously not as long as the uh, a380 sorry no longer than the a380 but wider no not as wide not as wide but longer there we are eventually i found it so, what we're going to do now is wrap up this about the 747 and go on to talk about today's featured airport. Each week, we're going to talk about a featured airport as well as a featured aircraft. This week's featured airport is our closest one, is it not? Um, Robin Hood Airport, Doncaster, Sheffield, uh, with the ICAO code of EGCN. I know that very well because I use it on flight simulators and things. But this is a, a relatively new airport. It only opened in... When did it open? I can't remember when it opened. I don't quite know, but it was formerly 
um, an RF base, RF Finningley, where they used to fly the uh, Vulcan bombers from. They did? For the Black Book missions. Uh, no, they flew from Waddington. Oh, they flew from Waddington? Yeah. Oh, right. oh no, oh. They, 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 they did the, um, the nuclear ones, didn't they? Here. Yes. Yes, they did. The height of professionalism, as always. Um, yeah, the uh, Doncaster Sheffield Airport used to be an RAF base, Royal Air Force base, which was uh, RAF Finningley. And the well, RAF Finningley had, I think it was the second longest runway in the world, uh, sorry, in the world, in the country, after Heathrow. Uh, and the idea for this was, was um, during the Cold War, this was the hub of the United Kingdom's defences for um, nuclear nuclear bombs and things um, and at uh, Robin Hood Airport there used to be a base the Vulcan bomber and the Victor used to be based there as well as uh, the, the tanker um, but then it closed um, unfortunately well it wasn't really needed anymore so it closed and um, it, then Doncaster yeah. Sheffield Airport opened I actually remember this happening it opened on 20th of April 2005 Yes, so it's... Well, it was decommissioned in 1996. So, yeah, so RF Finningley was uh, closed in 1996, and then Doncaster Sheffield uh, opened nine years later. That is nine years, yep. Nine years later, my maths is awful. uh, On the 28th of April, 2005. Now, uh, the the airline's main use of this was uh, Thompson and Ryanair. It was. And then, obviously, things have come and gone, so EasyJet went... Egypt came, Egypt went, yeah, um, and then just things kept coming and going because nobody really knew whether to stay or not. Yeah, the 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 point is about Doncaster Sheffield Airport. It's no Heathrow. It's not, it's not a massive airport, but it does it does it's designed to be a local airport. So I think you can get flights to like you know um, common holiday destinations. I'm I'm sure one airline did a flight to um, mainland Europe to Paris. At one point, um, well, there seems to be many, well, few destinations now. There's, yeah, there's recently there's been a drop in destinations to the airport, but um, you know you've got Thomas Cook and Thompson and Ryanair and Flybe, Wizz Air among Manx Two, BH Air as well. So there's a lot of a lot of airlines that fly there, but you can you can fly, for example, to Poland. Um, to Warsaw, most places in Spain. I mean, you can fly. Uh, Alicante, Lanzarote, uh, Gran Canaria, Malaga, uh, Sharm El Sheikh, Tenerife South, and Dalam. Well, Dalman, just to name a few, really. So, yeah. so that's a huge spread. You got what? Spain. You got Canary Islands. You got Poland. Egypt. You got Poland, uh, and you have what else? Like Turkey as well. Turkey. Um, yeah. yeah it's, so it's just a massive amount of uh, places that you can go for such a small airport. Um, also, we should note is that um, the airport is actually home to the last remaining in the world flying Vulcan XH558. Well, you could call it flying at the moment. It's broken. We yeah. have two engines out. Yeah, we'll talk about that at a later date, I think. But yes, yeah, there's, there's an issue with the Vulcan. Um, if you want to look up um, uh, about the last remaining flying Vulcan, just go onto Google and look for Vulcan to the Sky Trust um, because they've got a lot of information about there, and they're the the body that uh, looks after it, but that is actually at this moment in time based at the airport and can't leave due to the fact that two of the engines are well, no, they're out of the aircraft now. Um, but as I say, if you look at uh, their website, it'll tell you more. Um, another thing is uh, in February 2010, 
The airport was host to the world's largest aircraft. The Antonov 225. Um, obviously, they don't only held the Antonov 225 there. They have had, had other cargo flights uh, using aircraft like the A300, the MSA 300, McDonald Douglas DC-10 and MD-11. They had the Boeing 747 and the Antonov 124. Um, what this airport has also done, it's also helped um, rescue lions from Romania, yep. as in it's, it's been like a refueling spot. Yep. Um, this aircraft, this um, airport, shall I say, um, has also um, been part of a television show. I'm sure a few people have watched this. Yeah, if you, if you live in Britain, you've probably seen it. Um, with Matt Lucas and his mate... David Williams. David Williams. Um and yeah, it was it was sort of a, um, and I think it's back on again later this year actually. It was a it was a, a mockumentary uh, about life in an airport, taking sort of taking inspiration from the from the Come Fly with Me um, program that I think's usually repeated on lots of television channels a lot of the time. Basically, what it was it was based on like Little Britain kind of thing. So yeah. it would it would look it was supposed to look at the life. Of someone in Britain, but in this case, someone, a life of someone in airport. Yeah, it it was done in the same style as Little Britain. If you've ever seen that as well, um, the the airport is the, the the actual building is quite new. Um, it's very new, isn't it? Mm, very new. Um, basically, what what it's done is there have been multiple um, buildings like this in United Kingdom. I mean, you have got Liverpool John Lennon Airport, yeah. and you have Durham Tees Valley Airport. Which uh, basically look roughly the same. I've been to both airports, yeah. and I can and I can tell you that they are looking relatively the same. It's also interesting to note that it's uh, it is a public airport, obviously, because there's flights going into there. But it's owned by Peel Airport. Um, it replaced um, Sheffield City Airport, which was a, a, an airport in the in the city of Sheffield, and the idea was to have a, a, a bigger airport in the centre between Doncaster and Sheffield. Because basically, Sheffield City Airport uh, was barely big enough to uh, land and take off a sem- Boeing 737. Yeah. So that that created a huge amount of bother because, because people wanted to use it, people yeah. wanted to go on holiday, but they just didn't have the capability of getting the aircraft yeah. in. The, prob- the problem with it was, um, was the runway is too short, and the reason for that is... Is if you know Sheffield, if you're from near Sheffield, you've ever been to Sheffield, you'll know that it's quite a hilly city. It's in the Don Valley anyway, the Valley of the River Don, but it's quite a hilly place. It's right near the Peak District as well. So it was a real difficulty when they started building the airport, or when they wanted to build an airport there, um, to 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 actually find somewhere to build it. They did eventually do it, and it's right next to well, say right next to it's near to. Uh, the Tinsley Marshalling Yard. The runway is now closed. It's got massive white X's painted all the way down it. Um, which symbolises uh, that the airport is closed. The runway is closed. Yeah. Um, I think know. since its closure, though, it has been used for one diversion of an aircraft because obviously it's a runway, so if, so if, if there's an emergency, they're going to use it. Mm. Um, on the 21st of April 2008, uh, the airport's CAA licence was, was withdrawn, but I've just realised something. We're talking about Sheffield City Airport, and we're meant to be covering uh, Doncaster Sheffield, but they are linked. So yeah, uh, Doncaster Sheffield was designed to replace Sheffield City, um, and uh, it does that quite well. The only problem is with uh, Doncaster Sheffield Airport to get to it, 
it's right near the M18, which is a motorway that goes from the M1 to the A1 in Britain. The only problem is, it's it's not actually linked to it by a direct road, so you have to drive through some little villages. Another thing about the airport is that um, it is actually huge. Um, this airport is is supposedly suitable for wide bodies, long haul, or cargo carrying aircraft, and even though it is a runway in the north of England, you wouldn't expect it. However, it is designated a space shuttle emergency landing site. Or it was. Because the space shuttle no longer flies. Yeah, it was. Uh, but even though it's so small, it still carries on 2.5 million passengers annually. Yep. Which is quite a lot for such a small airport. It before. is. For one that's just started up in 2005. Uh, yes. It's 2005. Um, and it just seems... That there is a lot of potential there, isn't there, Daniel? Yeah. There is a lot of potential for that airport, as long as the right people go into there. There's a certain uh, opportunity for expansion. So, uh, Peel Airports, if you're listening, management team, opportunity here. We don't charge much, but... Um, no, it's, 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 there's a lot of potential to operate, the air, uh, to operate that airport and to actually have a lot of people in. The only problem is, is its location. I mean, it's right next to Sheffield, which is the fifth biggest city in the country. But there's no direct link, to, link, and a lot of people will choose to actually drive across to Manchester Airport, which has got more. Or, or East Midlands lines. Airport, for example. East Midlands Airport, which is yeah, it's a bit further south. So I think that if you do not going there, there will be one more problem with the expansion of uh, Doncaster Sheffield, which is uh, because of the airspace, the airspace is class D or C, mm-hmm. so it's it's light use. Um, if it was to expand and to get busier, yeah. then our local airfield Nethorpe ICAO. EGC, EGNF. EGNF, yeah. Yep. Um, that would not be able to uh, work anymore. So um, that would be closed down, and that would be many people who enjoy flying as a hobby to um, have to move elsewhere to get to go flying. Yeah, that's that's definitely a consideration. But I think, to be perfectly honest, the the viability of this airport as a as a whole would be preferred for the region over the uh, uh, aerodrome, which could easily be you know, rebuilt somewhere else. Well, not easily. Um, so I think we're going to round up now, finishing talking about Robin Hood Airport, Doncaster, Sheffield, ICAO code EGCN, owned by Peel Airports. So our next section, and one that we hope to do at least weekly, or maybe we'll sort of alternate between this and something else, is the section about Flight Simulator X or Flight Simulator 10 or whatever it's intended to be. Um, this, as you know, will if you use it, FSX, some people call it FSX, 10th uh, version of Microsoft Flight Simulator, and it comes after Microsoft Flight Simulator 2004. Um, it's, it's sort of, it, it's not the latest sort of flight sim from Microsoft, so to say. Um, although a lot of people would say it's the latest flight sim from Microsoft. That's because of Microsoft Flight which I think we'll probably discuss in a later episode, because that does deserve some, some, some time dedicated to it. But what we're going to talk about to do with FSX, or Flight Sim X, or whatever, is um, we're going to do like a, a featured mod. And um, the best place that we find to get mods from, I don't know if you'll agree, Tom, is um, Simviation. S-I-M-V-I-A-T-I-O-N. I agree completely, to be honest. Um, but uh, for some scenery, like um, Doncaster, Sheffield, or RF Waddington, 
I do use separate websites which I just found off of the internet somewhere. Yeah, if you, to be perfectly honest, if you're looking for a mod, the best way I find is look on at Symbiation. If you can find it on Symbiation, you quids in. If you can't find it on Symbiation, just have a look on the internet. Just Google it. Um, mm. You know, if you're looking for a mod for a Vulcan bomber, you might just go, although there is one on Symbiation, a very good one, we must add. Yes. Um, you could just go, you know, um, I don't know, um, Boeing 747 mod for flight sim. You go. said Vulcan. Not Boeing 747. Did I? Yes. All right, never mind. Vulcan mod for that. Mm. Yeah. So, it's brilliant. Um, there are a lot of mods on here, but today's featured mod is the um, FSX Acceleration FA18 Hanny Mod Overhaul V3, is it not? Yes, it is, definitely. Um, I first found this one um, in, well, not relatively early days, but um, early on in the year. Uh, near when it was posted, to be honest. Um, and I found that this model was just amazing compared to the original one. Uh, if you've ever, yeah, because if, you, um, if you buy Flight Sim and then you buy the Acceleration Pack, which is sort of an expansion pack, which has got some add-ons and some different uh, things that you can do, um, it comes with a stock F-18 done by Microsoft, which is absolutely fantastic. It's actually a really good aircraft, is it not? But, Honeymod. So it, it, it's just amazing. Um, but yeah, uh, for it, you will definitely need acceleration, as Daniel was on about. But for this one, you do definitely need acceleration rather than actually getting it with the pack. You just need to download it as well. Even though it's 104 megabytes, it is totally, totally worth it. Yeah. it's. It, I mean, it's in Asian, if you are sort of a, a cheapo member, if you don't, if you don't uh, pay to use it... Um, they, it, it, you would get a, a limit of, I think it's 40... No, not even that. It's 39 kilobytes per second. So. 39 kilobytes per second. So you can imagine that pulling 104.82 megabytes through that connection is a bit steady, but... I'll see how long it actually takes, actually. Go on. Give me two seconds. We're going to have a bit of a, an estimate. Yep. Um, so oh. it's estimating at... It's estimating, but, well, we're calling it about an, an hour. hour. Yeah, about an hour. On, on the connection that we've got here, which, to be honest, isn't the limiting factor. The, the limiting factor would certainly be the, the speed. But you can, I think, I don't know how much it is, actually. It's a, it's, a, it's not very many dollars to just pay them and then you get... I think it's $11 for 12 months or per month. I'm not quite sure. But I, I suppose if you were doing uh, Flight Simulator for a, for a long... Uh, you know, if you did it um, and you were really serious about it, you might you might go for that. Um, but simulation has a massive amount of things. Um, FSX Acceleration FA18 Honeymod is just it's just one of the fantastic ones that there are on there. Um, you may have to do a bit of digging if you go onto the website and you look for you, you look for your mods. Just be careful because there are some you know you might see one that's that's nine megabytes and one that's 109 megabytes. The chances are you can see the difference in them. That's the thing because um, if you take like um, I don't know. Uh, IF-22. Yeah, UF-22 Raptor. Um, yes, it is 10 megabytes. However, you get a really, really rubbish model. Uh, textures are okay, and it's just okay-ish. When compared to this um, 104 megabyte acceleration one, you get the lot. You get, you get, you have to burn. You get your perfect model. You get, it just... It, it is. It's, it's no, there's it's no, there's all, no way to describe it's it, It's almost it? as perfectly refined as the original, but there are some improvements. Because things like... The afterburners don't sort don't always come up correctly, which mm. obviously you get with the with the pre-installed one. And with this one, you get more textures as well. So you get thirteen textures, which I mean, 
I mean, it might not sound much, but for me, it gives me a variety of textures yeah. to use. So if if I'm like just messing about for a bit, I can just put on my favourite texture, which yeah. is the Marauders, which is a very nice texture. I, I suggest that you use it highly. This is a fantastic aircraft if you do um, online on flights and like we do, uh, because obviously you've got different textures and it's a really nice aircraft. And you can just sort of, you know, go and have a mess about or you can even do a flight. We're at the moment doing a sort of cross-continental thing where we're going from Britain and we're going all the way down to Spain. and we're going then through France to Spain, over to Egypt, over to the Canary Islands, down to Ascension Island. And then we're obviously going to have some to go back up America and then back over to Britain. Yeah. Um, so it's a fantastic aircraft because it's very, very, very quick. I think we we did that flight, didn't we, from, uh, was it... Um, Doncaster Sheffield and we went all the way down to so, uh, down, Heathrow we, wasn't it we went down to Heathrow and then we went <coughs> down to Paris and it blitzes it in seconds the only problem is the fuel runs out so if yeah, you won't your fuel does run out very quickly so I mean on the Honeymob one your fuel doesn't run out as quickly as the normal one because it's got realistic sized tanks that's that's the thing about the, the Honeymob I think someone's put a little bit more uh, research into things like the size of the tanks um, and just the handling in general, because it does feel the, different. The pound of fuel per hour. Yeah. I mean, you can feel that, and you can feel the weight difference. You can, honestly, you, you can just put it into a perfect... Well, you can just fly absolutely perfectly yeah. all the time. It's so agile, it's so quick to respond to you. It's just brilliant. But not unrealistically quick. It's not like an arcade game. Um, so, yeah, that's the uh, FSX Acceleration F18 Honeymod Overhaul V3, available from simviation.com. Um, I definitely recommend going and checking that out because it's absolutely superb um, and I know we use it it's one of our most used aircraft is it not? it is mainly yes cool so we're now going to go on to what we call the Q&A so we're, uh, every week or whenever we've got questions we're going to do a Q&A so the idea behind this is um, we have an email address which we'll give you at the end of the programme and you can just um, send us an email if you've got a problem with, with flight sim, or even if it's just a general computer problem, because I am quite proficient with the computer. It's also there to be um, for like uh, general aviation questions, so anything about any aircraft in general, it's like uh, what's going to be loud, this, this, that, and the other. Um, and we're also offering this um, technical advice, as we feel that it can be hard sometimes to install some stuff and yeah. I, and, and I'm very good at installing these stuff myself mods, as I've put on many of them. Mods for flights in are quite difficult to install. I haven't quite mastered it. I always ring him and go, Tom, please come and install this mod for me because I have not got a clue. For example, the uh, was it the Vulcan one that's got yeah, about it? four separate packages that yeah. you have to install? Well, what you've got to do is you've got to get the actual base package, which is Flights in 2004. You've got to get the panel, which is Flights in X. You've got to get the exhaust fumes, which is X. And it's it just it's just it, it can be a bit complicated. So if you if you want any help with that, or even if say you know you're looking at two mods and you're thinking which one's best, send us an email. We'll put we'll, you know we'll we'll give you the email at the end of the podcast. But it's you know we're we're very willing to help you. I know if it's something that I can't answer, I'll forward it on to Tom. And we've we, you know we've got plenty of people that uh, that can help you. If you're worried about like response time, I mean, as soon as we see the email, we will start working on it for yeah. you. I mean. I'm sure Daniel would try and have a go at it first, see if he's right, it, give, give me a text, am I right, I'll probably send back yeah, if it is, or no, if you're it's not. Probably, and then, you'll and probably then send, send back yeah, because it's probably going to be right. Yeah, it's probably going to be right, but yeah, yeah um, we do look forward to helping you and answering any questions. Yeah, as I say, as he says about the response time, it's down in my email client on the computer that I use every day, so chances are... 
that I will see it. Um, so yeah, we're, we're willing to offer plenty of help on that aspect. Um, this or if you want any help in general, not uh, extreme computers. As I said, you can use um, anything in general. So any, any airports, questions? airlines, anything like that. If you if you want to know which airline to go on. Because I mean, we can look up that as well. We can do. Yeah. We can look up everything like that. So, if you were stuck between, I don't know, Ryanair and EasyJet, for example, we're it's just def- like, it's yeah. definitely a consideration. Um, this section that we've just we're, we're, that we're talking to you in at the moment would normally be the actual Q and A. So we're, we're going to be talking about. Um, we'll, we'll be answering the questions through that. Um, if we do have any Q and A, if not, then we will just keep. Um, yeah, we'll we'll come yeah. up with something else to talk about. Why not? Um, so. That uh, that wraps up the Q and A section, so to speak, um, and that wraps up the podcast in general. It, it? I, I think it does. Uh, so um, the email address that you need to uh, get is as follows. Um, if I can find it, it is the it is the flight podcast at gmail dot com. The flight podcast at gmail dot com. So you can contact us at that. Just you know, send us an email. Pop your name on if you, you know if if you want your name to be mentioned on the podcast. Obviously, we won't mention your email address. But um, no, if you want your name to be mentioned on the podcast, just put it on there, and we'll give you a bit of a plug on that. Um, the flight podcast at gmail.com. It's all one string. Um, so I've been Daniel Patterson, and I've been Thomas Lively. Thank you very much for listening, and we shall see you next week. <laughs>